You're listening to a podcast of Family Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Wherever or however you're listening, our hope is that this message would be challenging and inspiring for you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's head to the message. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so very glad to see you this morning. And I hope everyone has had a good weekend. We're in the middle of a series called The Word. The Word. Pastor Terry taught about the Word gives wisdom, then the Word purifies. This morning, I want to speak to you about the Word forgives. The Word of God forgives. Point number one in your outline, the command. Jesus Christ gives every believer a command. Every believer that ever lived or that will ever live has been given a command. And here's the command in Mark eleven twenty-two. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. That's the command, to have faith in God. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, we are not going to please God. Anyone in this room want to please God? Would you raise your hand? Then we must have faith. We must have faith. I heard about a woman who went to her pastor. And she said, Pastor, Pastor, I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. And the pastor says, what are you afraid of? And the woman says, my, my husband told me if I keep coming to your church that he's going to kill me. And the pastor says, don't be afraid. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He'll take care of you. So a week later, the lady comes back to the pastor. She says, pastor, pastor, I'm so afraid. He said, what are you afraid of? She said, my husband said, if I keep coming to your church, he's going to kill me. The pastor says, don't be afraid. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He'll take care of you. About a week later, the lady comes back to the pastor. She says, Pastor, I'm so afraid. Now my husband says, if I keep coming to your church, that he's going to kill you. (laughs) The pastor responded, you know, this might be a good time for you to find another church. (laughs) Faith. It's easy to tell, have others to have faith, but it can be difficult for us. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we can not see. 
And there's a long list of men and women in the Bible who lived by faith. Evidently, these people took the command to have faith very seriously. And this is found in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I want us to look at some of these people who lived by faith. It was by faith that Abel, in verse 4, brought a more acceptable offering to God than did Cain. It was by faith that Enoch, in verse 5, was taken up to heaven without dying because he pleased God. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. It was by faith that Sarah, in verse 11, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. And it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. And it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because his eyes were fixed on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. Then the book of Hebrews says, how much more, how much more do I need to say about faith? Faith in God works. He goes on to say, by faith, God's people in verse 33, overthrew kingdoms and received what God promised them. By faith in verse 33, Listen to this. God's people shut the mouths of lions. By faith, God's people, in verse 34, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. By faith, God's people placed their hope in a better life after, after the resurrection. Some died by stoning, some were cut in half, and others were killed by the sword. The word says, these people who live by faith, the world was not worthy of them. All of these people earned a good reputation because of faith. This scripture pumps me up. Don't we all want that same great faith? Don't we all desire to have that same great faith in our homes, in this church, in our family, and in this community? Family church has a rock-solid history 
of demonstrating faith in God. Family church is a church where God's word is preached as absolute truth. It is the final authority. In the next chapter of family church, we have every opportunity and responsibility to pass the spiritual torch to the next generation. And we will do that by faith. By faith in 2020, we should long to see lost people being saved in this church, God adding to this church those that are being saved. We should long to see marriages being healed, people being restored in this house. We should long to see unity in the house of God, harmony. By faith, we should long to see addictions broken, strongholds broken, the poor being ministered to, people being filled with the Spirit of God. We should long to see the healing of every kind of disease and illness. We should long to see the laying of hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will not die. We should long to see demons being cast out of people and people being raised from the dead. We should long to see signs and wonders following the preaching of God's word from this pulpit, from every pastor that stands in this pulpit by faith. We have seen many examples of people of faith right here in family church where these things have happened, whether it be Annie, whether it be Danny Acri, whether it be Angie Richardson or Michael Stravato, all I am saying, it is time for more faith. It is time, family church, for more faith. You agree with that? Point number two in your outline. The example, prayer moves Mountains. Prayers move mountains. Mark 11, 23 through 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But... You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Jesus said, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown or cast into the sea and it will happen. Now listen, I am 51 years old and I've seen a lot of things but I've never seen a mountain thrown into the sea. Have you? Has anyone in this room seen a mountain thrown into the sea? I'm not against it. 
<laughs> I'm really not. But really, what are we to do with this scripture? What are we to do with this text? I'm sure our first inclination is to find a way to explain it away. To throw a mountain, to cast a mountain into the sea seems impossible. So maybe Jesus is speaking in hyperbole to point out the great possibilities of prayer. But I tend to think that the words of Jesus are literal. When Jesus says, this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, I believe it was a literal mountain. I think Jesus was standing on or pointing to the Mount of Olives, a very literal mountain that the disciples crossed many times. They were familiar with this mountain, and they traveled this mountain. But I really don't know. That's just my opinion. But here's what I do know. We all have mountains of difficulties in our life. We all, every one of us, because we are human, we all have mountains of difficulties in our life. And sometimes these mountains are broken relationships, sin habits, health issues, marriage problem, anxiety. Have you noticed the increase of anxiety in the United States and even in the house of God? Some of these mountains are addictions to pornography, to internet, to eating too much food or drinking too much alcohol. Moving a mountain in Jesus' culture, in Jewish culture, is used to say something impossible can be done. And Jesus is saying, if we trust God, mountains will be moved in prayer. If we trust God, we can say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown and cast into the sea. Point number three in your outline, the stipulation. A stipulation is a requirement that is demanded as part of an agreement. A stipulation is a requirement that is demanded as part of an agreement. Here's the stipulation of Jesus. If we do not forgive, if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. That scripture scares me. If we do not forgive the stipulation, we will not be forgiven. Jesus is concluding his teaching in verse 23 and verse 24 of Mark's gospel concerning faith and prayer. He says, if you have faith in God, and if you believe when you pray, 
You can throw mountains into the sea. And that's pretty incredible. The only problem is that's not where Jesus ended his teaching. With a surprising turn, Jesus adds one stipulation. Mark eleven twenty-five. But when you are praying, first forgive. When you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Jesus Christ's stipulation to his teaching, you must forgive. Somebody listen to me. The stipulation is you must forgive. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. And Jesus is saying that your faith is useless and your prayers are useless. Now listen to me. I didn't say that. Jesus Christ said that. So please, nobody get angry with me or slash my tires. Listen to me, please. You cannot pray and have peace with God when you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart toward another. You cannot pray and have peace with God when you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart toward another person. The stipulation again, if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. To understand this scripture, to understand Jesus' teachings, we have to look at Mark in context. Jesus Christ is traveling to Jerusalem. This is the week that he is going to die. He will be crucified. He's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And when he gets there, he walks towards the temple, but he notices a fig tree. And the fig tree had all the signs of health on it that it should have had. These nodules that you could eat because Jesus was hungry. So Jesus goes up to the fig tree and though it looks alive and healthy, it's really dead. There's no fruit. It had the appearance of being alive, but it was fruitless. So Jesus curses. Jesus curses the fig tree. He says, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And then Jesus makes his way to the temple. Jesus makes his way to the temple, to the house of God. And he sees the same thing going on in the temple. There's all this activity in the temple. There's lots of hustle and bustle. It had the appearance of being alive, but it was spiritually dead. 
So Jesus began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. And you know the story. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. The temple wasn't being a light to the world. It wasn't a place of worship and prayer. Jesus said it had been turned into a den of thieves. From the outside of the temple, it had the, the appearance that it was alive. But inside, inside that temple, it was spiritually dead. Then I love this in Mark's gospel. The next day, Jesus uses the opportunity to teach his disciples, especially Peter. And Jesus said, when you don't forgive, he's talking to his disciples, when you don't forgive, you have the appearance of being alive, but you are really dead. Like the fig tree, it had the appearance of being alive, but it was fruitless. It was dead. It was dead. When you don't forgive other people, Jesus is saying, I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care how much you pray. You only have an appearance of fruitfulness for God, but you are dead inside. Jesus says to the disciples, here's how we fix this, boys. This is how we fix this. In verse 25, he says, when you are praying, when you are talking to God, when you are communing to the one who breathed into you and made you a living soul, the one that you will one day give an account to, when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. When you are praying, Jesus says, stop. First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Forgive anyone that you need to forgive. So why must we forgive? Number one, God commands us to. God commands us to forgive. Colossians 3.13 Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive Others, God commands us to forgive. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. I understand that forgiveness can be very difficult. I have been hurt by a brother. I have been hurt. I, my soul has been injured by a brother. 
And I thought I had forgiven that person. And I know I have forgiven that person. But the residue of that offense is still there. And I said, oh God, please help me to forgive this person. This person that injured me, this person that hurt me. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper into my ear. Forgiveness can be difficult, but Michael, sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes forgiveness is a journey. Would you repeat after me? The word forgives, so I will forgive. Number two, why we must forgive? Because God forgives us. Because God forgives us. First John, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We forgive because God forgives us. We forgive one another because God forgives us. God has forgiven all the junk and trash and dirt in me. And I am to offer that same forgiveness that God gives to me to you. I love this. C.S. Lewis wrote, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Remember this, no matter what anyone does to you, you'll never have to forgive any other person more than God has already forgiven you. That's the gospel. Christians forgive because they are forgiven by a perfect God. Will you repeat after me? The word forgives. So I will forgive too. Number three, why we must forgive. God wants his people healthy. He wants us to be healthy. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting, making you unhealthy. God wants us healthy. The longer we hold on to a grudge, the longer we hold on to unforgiveness, the longer we hold on to an offense, the longer we hold on to a grudge, the longer it holds on to you. Would you repeat after me? The word forgives. So I will forgive too. Number four, why we must forgive. Listen, failure to forgive others can hinder your prayers. That should scare the socks off you. 
that God will not hear your prayers if you do not forgive others. That makes me want to forgive Don Blair. <laughs> I want God to hear me. I don't want God to shut me out. He's my only hope. He is our only hope. He is our refuge. He is our God. And if I don't forgive you, God doesn't forgive me, and he does not hear my prayers. But if I do forgive, God forgives me, and I'm in communion with the God of the universe. Would you repeat after me? The word forgives. So I will forgive too. Number five, why we must forgive. And I wish I had more time for this one. We forgive so we will not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. We forgive so we will not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. We forgive so we will not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. I do not want to bring hurt or affliction to God's Holy Spirit who is God by my hard-heartedness in not forgiving other people. I can tell you this for sure. You will never look into the eyes of someone God does not love. So always, always be forgiven. Would you repeat after me? The word forgives. So I will forgive too. Here's my question to you. Why do so many of us struggle with unforgiveness? Why do we struggle with spiritual laws? Why do we question forgiveness? Why don't we believe that we must Forgive. It is a spiritual law. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. We never ask questions about physical laws. The law of gravity. You know about the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Sir Isaac Newton. 
We don't struggle with the law of gravitivity. Listen to me, I'm not going to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. You know what I figured out? What goes up must come down. You know what I'm not going to do today? I'm not going to jump off the roof of my house. I figured this out at 51 years old. What goes up? Here's another thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to jump off this stage. You know why? The law of gravity kicks in. I'm not going to jump off this stage because I'm not Superman and I'm not stupid man. <laughs> what goes up will come down. We don't question physical laws, the law of gravity. Sadly, believers, believers in this room, we question spiritual laws. Surely God didn't really mean if I don't forgive, I will not be forgiven. That spiritual law cannot apply to me. That spiritual law of forgiving other people, that can't apply to me. What goes up must come down. <laughs> what goes up must come down. Some of you are getting nervous, aren't you? <laughs> Michael, be careful. Don't drop this. You might smash it. You might break it. Because what goes up, say it. Okay, let me put this down before I do break it. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I'm just kidding. Roman Howard made that for me. Would you give him a hand clap? Listen to me. Just like the law of gravity is true, what goes up must come down. Spiritual laws are true as well. When we don't obey spiritual laws, if we do not forgive, Jesus says you will not be forgiven. What goes up spiritually without obedience must come down. It will come down. Truth will come down with tragic consequences. We understand the physical law. We understand the law of gravity. We got that one, don't we? But the spiritual law, what goes up spiritually without obedience to the word of God must come down and it will come down with tragic consequences. It will come down with tragic consequences. There are consequences of not forgiving other people. 
It could be a shattered life because you have not forgiven. You could be unhealthy because you have not forgiven. You have hurt other people because you've not forgiven. You might be an angry person or bitter or feel like you have wasted your life or feel imprisoned to life or feel like you have brought sorrow against a God who offers forgiveness freely. Listen to me, please. I may not be a good preacher, but God has given me the ministry of pastoring. We must forgive. Please forgive. Please forgive one another. Please forgive me when I've sinned against you. Number six. We forgive to make God look good. We forgive to make God look good. In Matthew's gospel, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. When we forgive one another so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father and he will look good. Will you please turn your attention to the screen? Family Church, let me ask you a question. What would this church look like if we didn't have our faith blocked by unforgiveness? What would family church look like if we didn't have our faith blocked by unforgiveness? I wonder if the lost would come and be saved. I wonder if we laid hands on the sick and they would recover. I wonder if there would be greater harmony and greater unity in the house of God. What would family church look like if we didn't have our faith blocked by unforgiveness? My final word, as God has set you free in Christ, we are to set others free in Jesus Christ's name. Thanks for listening to the Family Church Podcast. You can stay connected with us at familychurch.org or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission at Family Church is to pursue God, make disciples, and strengthen families. If you're in the West Monroe area, we would love for you to come join us. You can check out familychurch.org for our location and service times. 